Section 13 of Captain Singleton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Dennis Sayers. The Life, Adventures, and Piracies of the Famous Captain Singleton by Daniel Defoe. Well, notwithstanding this, we ventured. For, to men that had passed such wild places as we had done, nothing could seem too desperate to undertake. We ventured, I say, and the rather because we saw very high mountains in our way at a great distance, and we imagined wherever there were mountains there would be springs and rivers, where rivers there would be trees and grass, where trees and grass there would be cattle and where cattle, some kind of inhabitants. At last, in consequence of this speculative philosophy, we entered this waste, having a great heap of roots and plants for our bread, such as the Indians gave us, a very little flesh or salt, and but a little water. We travelled two days towards those hills, and still they seemed as far off as they did at first, and it was the fifth day before we got to them. Indeed, we travelled but softly, for it was excessively hot, and we were much about the very equinoctial line. We hardly knew whether to the south or the north of it. As we had concluded that where there were hills there would be springs, so it happened. But we were not only surprised, but really frighted, to find the first spring we came to, and which looked admirably clear and beautiful, to be as salt as brine. It was a terrible disappointment to us, and put us under melancholy apprehensions at first. But the gunner, who was of a spirit never discouraged, told us we should not be disturbed at that, but be very thankful, for salt was a bait we stood in as much need of as anything, and there was no question but we should find fresh water as well as salt. And here our surgeon stepped in to encourage us, and told us that if we did not know, he would show us a way how to make that salt water fresh, which, indeed, made us all more cheerful, though we wondered what he meant. Meantime, our men, without bidding, had been seeking about for other springs, and found several, but still they were all salt, from whence we concluded that there was a salt rock or mineral stone in those mountains, and perhaps they might be all of such a substance. But still I wondered by what witchcraft it was that our artist, the surgeon, would make this salt water turn fresh, and I longed to see the experiment, which was indeed a very odd one. But he went to work with as much assurance as if he had tried it on the very spot before. He took two of our large mats and sewed them together, and they made a kind of a bag four feet broad, three feet and a half high, and about a foot and a half thick when it was full. He caused us to fill this bag with dry sand, and tread it down as close as we could not to burst the mats. When thus the bag was full within a foot, 
he sought some other earth, and filled up the rest with it, and still trod all in as hard as he could. When he had done, he made a hole in the upper earth, about as broad as the crown of a large hat, or something bigger about, but not so deep, and bade a negro fill it with water, and still as it shrunk away to fill it again, and keep it full. The bag he had placed at first across two pieces of wood, about a foot from the ground, and under it he ordered some of our skins to be spread, that would hold water. In about an hour, and not sooner, the water began to come dropping through the bottom of the bag, and, to our great surprise, was perfectly fresh and sweet, and this continued for several hours. But in the end the water began to be a little brackish. When we told him that, Well then, said he, turn the sand out, and fill it again. Whether he did this by way of experiment from his own fancy, or whether he had seen it done before, I do not remember. The next day we mounted the tops of the hills, where the prospect was indeed astonishing, for as far as the eye could look, south or west or northwest, there was nothing to be seen but a vast howling wilderness, with neither tree, nor river, nor any green thing. The surface, we found, as the part we passed the day before, had a kind of thick moss upon it, of a blackish dead color, but nothing in it that looked like food, either for man or beast. Had we been stored with provisions to have entered for ten or twenty days upon this wilderness, as we were formerly, and with fresh water, we had hearts good enough to have ventured, though we had been obliged to come back again, for, if we went north, we did not know, but we might meet with the same. But we neither had provisions, neither were we in any place where it was possible to get them. We killed some wild faring creatures at the foot of these hills, but except two things, like to nothing that we ever saw before, we met with nothing that was fit to eat. These were creatures that seemed to be between the kind of a buffalo and a deer, but indeed resembled neither, for they had no horns, and had great legs like a cow, with a fine head, and the neck like a deer. We killed also at several times a tiger, two young lions, and a wolf. But, God be thanked, we were not so reduced as to eat carrion. Upon this terrible prospect, I renewed my motion of turning northward, and making towards the river Niger, or Rio Grande, then to turn west towards the English settlements on the Gold Coast, to which every one most readily consented, only our gunner, who was indeed our best guide, though he happened to be mistaken at this time. He moved that, as our coast was now northward, so we might slant away northwest, that so, by crossing the country, we might perhaps meet with some other river that run into the Rio Grande northward, or down to the Gold Coast southward, and so both direct our way and shorten the labor, as also because 
if any of the country was inhabited and fruitful, we should probably find it upon the shore of the rivers, where alone we could be furnished with provisions. This was good advice, and too rational not to be taken, but our present business was what to do to get out of this dreadful place we were in. Behind us was a waste, which had already cost us five days' march, and we had not provisions for five days left to go back again the same way. Before us was nothing but horror as above. So we resolved, seeing the ridge of the hills we were upon had some appearance of fruitfulness, and that they seemed to lead away to the northward a great way, to keep under the foot of them on the east side, to go on as far as we could, and, in the meantime, to look diligently out for food. Accordingly, we moved on the next morning, for we had no time to lose, and, to our great comfort, we came in our first morning's march to very good springs of fresh water, and lest we should have a scarcity again, we filled all our bladder bottles and carried it with us. I should also have observed that our surgeon, who made the salt water fresh, took the opportunity of those salt springs, and made us the quantity of three or four pecks of very good salt. In our third march we found an unexpected supply of food, the hills being full of hares. They were of a kind something different from ours in England, larger and not as swift of foot, but very good meat. We shot several of them, and the little tame leopard, which I told you we took at the negro town that we plundered, hunted them like a dog, and killed us several every day. But she would eat nothing of them, unless we gave it her. Which, indeed, in our circumstance, was very obliging. We salted them a little, and dried them in the sun whole, and carried a strange parcel along with us. I think it was almost three hundred, for we did not know when we might find any more, either of these or any other food. We continued our course under these hills very comfortably for eight or nine days, when we found to our great satisfaction the country beyond us began to look with something of a better countenance. As for the west side of the hills, we never examined it till this day, when three of our company, the rest halting for refreshment, mounted the hills again to satisfy their curiosity, but found it all the same, nor could they see any end of it, no, not to the north, the way we were going. So, the tenth day, finding the hill made a turn, and led, as it were, into the vast desert, we left them, and continued our course north, the country being very tolerably full of woods, some waste, but not tediously long, till we came, by our gunner's observation, into the latitude of eight degrees five minutes, which we were nineteen days more in performing. All this way we found no inhabitants, but abundance of wild, ravenous creatures, with which we became so well acquainted now, that really we did not much mind them. We saw lions and tigers and leopards every night and morning in abundance, but as they seldom came near us, 
we let them go about their business. If they offered to come near us, we made false fire with any gun that was uncharged, and they would walk off as soon as they saw the flash. We made pretty good shift for food all this way, for sometimes we killed hares, sometimes some fowls, but for my life I cannot give names to any of them, except a kind of partridge, and another that was like our turtle. Now and then we began to meet the elephants again in great numbers. Those creatures delighted chiefly in the woody part of the country. This long-continued march fatigued us very much, and two of our men fell sick, indeed, so very sick that we thought they would have died, and one of our negroes died suddenly. Our surgeon said it was an apoplexy, but he wondered at it, he said, for he could never complain of his high feeding. Another of them was very ill, but our surgeon, with much ado persuading him, indeed it was almost forcing him to let blood, he recovered. We halted here twelve days for the sake of our sick men, and our surgeon persuaded me, and three or four more of us, to be let blood during the time of rest, which, with other things he gave us, contributed very much to our continued health in so tedious a march and in so hot a climate. In this march we pitched our matted tents every night, and they were very comfortable to us, though we had woods and trees to shelter us in most places. We thought it very strange that in all this part of the country we yet met with no inhabitants, but the principal reason, as we found afterwards, was that we, having kept a western course first, and then a northern course, were gotten too much into the middle of the country and among the deserts, whereas the inhabitants are principally found among the rivers, lakes, and lowlands, as well to the southwest as to the north. What little rivulets we found here were so empty of water that except some pits and little more than ordinary pools, there was scarcely any water to be seen in them, and they rather showed that during the rainy months they had a channel than that they had really running water in them at that time, by which it was easy for us to judge that we had a great way to go. But this was no discouragement so long as we had but provisions, and some seasonable shelter from the violent heat, which indeed I thought was much greater now than when the sun was just over our heads. Our men being recovered, we set forward again, very well stored with provisions and water sufficient, and bending our course a little to the westward of the north, travelled in hopes of some favourable stream which might bear a canoe, but we found none till after twenty days' travel, including eight days' rest, for our men being weak, we rested very often, especially when we came to places which were proper for our purpose, where we found cattle, fowl, or anything to kill for our food. In those twenty days' march we advanced four degrees to the northward, besides some meridian distance westward, 
and we met with abundance of elephants, and with a good number of elephants' teeth scattered up and down, here and there, in the woody grounds especially, some of which were very large. But they were no booty to us. Our business was provisions, and a good passage out of the country, and it had been much more to our purpose to have found a good fat deer, and to have killed it for food, than a hundred ton of elephant's teeth. And yet, as you shall presently hear, when we came to begin our passage by water, we once thought to have built a large canoe, on purpose to have loaded it with ivory. But this was when we knew nothing of the rivers, nor knew anything how dangerous and how difficult a passage it was we were likely to have in them, nor had considered the weight of carriage to lug them to the rivers where we might embark. At the end of twenty days' travel, as above, in the latitude of three degrees sixteen minutes, we discovered in a valley at some distance from us a pretty tolerable stream, which we thought deserved the name of a river, and which ran its course north-north-west, which was just what we wanted. As we had fixed our thoughts upon our passage by water, we took this for the place to make the experiment, and bent our march directly to the valley. There was a small thicket of trees just in our way, which we went by, thinking no harm, when, on a sudden, one of our negroes was dangerously wounded, with an arrow shot into his back, slanting between his shoulders. This put us to a full stop, and three of our men, with two negroes, spreading the wood, for it was but a small one, found a negro with a bow, but no arrow, who would have escaped, but our men that discovered him shot him in revenge of the mischief he had done. So we lost the opportunity of taking him prisoner, which, if we had done, and sent him home with good usage, it might have brought others to us in a friendly manner. Going a little farther, we came to five negro huts, or houses, built after a different manner from any we had seen yet, and at the door of one of them lay seven elephants' teeth, piled up against the wall or side of the hut, as if they had been provided against a market. Here were no men, but seven or eight women, and near twenty children. We offered them no incivility of any kind, but gave them every one a bit of silver beaten out thin, as I observed before, and cut diamond fashion, or in the shape of a bird, at which the women were overjoyed, and brought out to us several sorts of food, which we did not understand, being cakes of a meal made of roots, which they bake in the sun, and which ate very well. We went a little way farther, and pitched our camp for that night, not doubting but our civility to the women would produce some good effect when their husbands might come home. Accordingly, the next morning, the women, with eleven men, five young boys, and two good big girls, came to our camp. Before they came quite to us, the women called aloud, and made an odd screaming noise to bring us out, 
and accordingly we came out, when two of the women, showing us what we had given them, and pointing to the company behind, made such signs as we could easily understand signified friendship. When the men advanced, having bows and arrows, they laid them down on the ground, scraped and threw sand over their heads, and turned around three times with their hands laid up upon the tops of their heads. This, it seems, was a solemn vow of friendship. Upon this we beckoned them with our hands to come nearer. Then they sent the boys and girls to us first, which, it seems, was to bring us more cakes of bread and some green herbs to eat, which we received, and took the boys up and kissed them, and the little girls too. Then the men came up close to us, and sat them down on the ground, making signs that we should sit down by them, which we did. They said much to one another, but we could not understand them, nor could we find any way to make them understand us, much less whither we were going, or what we wanted, only that we easily made them understand we wanted victuals. Whereupon one of the men, casting his eyes about him towards a rising ground that was about a half-mile off, started up as if he was frighted, flew to the place where they had laid down their bows and arrows, and snatched up a bow and two arrows, and ran like a racehorse to the place. When he came there, he let fly both his arrows, and comes back again to us with the same speed. We, seeing he came with the bow, but without the arrows, were the more inquisitive. But the fellow, saying nothing to us, beckons to one of our negroes to come to him, and we bid him so. So he led him back to the place, where lay a kind of deer, shot with two arrows, but not quite dead, and between them they brought it down to us. This was for a gift to us, and was very welcome, I assure you, for our stock was low. These people were all stark naked. The next day there came about a hundred men to us, and women making the same awkward signals of friendship, and dancing, and showing themselves very well pleased, and anything they had they gave us. How the man in the wood came to be so butcherly and rude as to shoot at our men, without making any breach first, we could not imagine, for the people were simple, plain, and inoffensive in all our other conversation with them. From hence we went down the banks of the little river I mentioned, and where, I found, we should see the whole nation of negroes, but whether friendly to us or not, that we could make no judgment of yet. The river was no use to us as to the design of making canoes a great while. We traversed the country on the edge of it about five days more, when our carpenters, finding the stream increased, proposed to pitch our tents and fall to work to make canoes. But after we had begun the work and cut down two or three trees and spent five days in the labor, some of our men wandering further down the river, brought us word that the stream rather decreased than increased, sinking away into the sands, or drying up by the heat of the sun, so that the river appeared 
not able to carry the least canoe that could be any way useful to us. So we were obliged to give over our enterprise and move on. In our further prospect this way, we marched three full days west, the country on the north side being extraordinary mountainous, and more parched and dry than any we had seen yet, whereas in the part which looks due west we found a pleasant valley running a great way between two great ridges of mountains. The hills looked frightful, being entirely bare of trees or grass, and even white with the dryness of the sand. But in the valley we had trees, grass, and some creatures that were fit for food, and some inhabitants. We passed by some of their huts or houses, and saw people about them. But they ran up into the hills as soon as they saw us. At the end of this valley we met with a peopled country, and at first it put us to some doubt whether we should go among them, or keep up towards the hills northerly, and, as our aim was principally as before, to make our way to the river Niger, we inclined to the latter, pursuing our course by the compass to the northwest. We marched thus without interruption seven days more, when we met with a surprising circumstance much more desolate and disconsolate than our own, and which in time to come will scarce seem credible. End of section 13 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox